Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the heat wave. 32 teams in 32 days, and we are breaking down every single fantasy relevant player on each team. And today, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. I am your host, the fantasy plug, Tim Petropolis, the editor-in-chief of BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Broto app. I am joined today by my brother, Michael, the king of this fantasy thing and lead fantasy analyst for Broto, Matt Ward, the dynasty Don and the fantasy encyclopedia himself, the lead writer at Broto, and Santiago Casanova, the genius of fantasy football, Broto lead data analyst and developer of the fantasy football by Broto app. Speaking of the fantasy football by Broto app, which this is presented by, it is available for free right now. Download it wherever you get apps to get fantasy player cards, fantasy player grades, usage charts, the start, sit, and who to draft tool, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and advanced stats. Every single stat you hear today is available on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app and exclusive stats that you can only get from Brodo. The stats that have given us the edge over the years, true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. This app is free right now because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Fantasy. Thank you so much to our wonderful beautiful patrons over at patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. You are the reason the Broto Machine keeps on pumping. Join now to support the show, the app, and the best community in the entire world. For as little as $3, you can get the extra show every single week. Access to Broto Leagues. Does your league suck? This will not. Best community ever, I'm telling you. Proven DFS cash games optimizers. Access to cheat sheets. Private team consultations. The most unique fantasy tournament in the world. And access to the greatest community in the world. Not just in fantasy. The entire world. That's right. Check it. The globe. Nowhere else. Um, if you enjoy the show and if you enjoy the app, please consider joining. Your comp- contributions go a long way. Today we are jumping into the Buffalo Bills, so let's get into their offensive outlook. This is the sixth year for head coach Sean McDermott, which someone who, since I grabbed the microphone, I've been singing the praises of. Um, one of the best in the game. He's been one of the best in the game even before the Bills turned it all around. But... It's a little bit different because the offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, is gone. He is now the head coach of the Giants, and he hands the reins to Ken Dorsey. Who is Ken Dorsey? Well, former quarterback of the dominant Miami U teams. I was actually a really big fan of those teams uh, in the early 2000s. He spent five seasons in the NFL. He was the QB coach in Carolina from 2013 to 2017, so the days of Cam. Then he was the Bills quarterback coach from 2019 to, to 2020 the days of Josh Allen, promoted to pass game coordinator last season and now taking over the reins of offensive coordinator. So in-house hire there. Last season, they were third in scoring offense, passed the ball 57.7% of the time. That is the 11th highest of any coaching tendency. The ads this year, uh, Jamison Crowder, wide receiver, tight end O.J. Howard, running back Duke Johnson, uh, guard Roger Saffold, and the rookies that were added, running back James Cook in the second round and slot receiver Khalil Shakur. So let's get into the quarterback. Um, this one, basically Josh Allen should be the number one quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, I know, Matt, you're doing quarterbacks and you got K1 equals QB1. But 
Um, I think that this year you got to admit Josh Allen is a QB one. How are you feeling about Josh Allen this season? Yeah, I mean, he's the first quarterback since 2008. Uh, shout out Dante Culpepper to repeat as the overall QB one over um, and QB one in, pan- in points per game. That um, Yeah, he averaged 24.6 points per game last season. So Josh Allen should have all rights to the QB one thrown once again. Uh, 4,407 passing yards, 763 rushing yards, which is obviously where most of his upside comes from. 42 total touchdowns, so 36 passing and six rushing. Uh, he led the league in goal line carries and 32 total carries inside the red or inside the 20 yard line. Um, yeah, he has a higher true throw value than Patrick Mahomes. He's the QB one, and and I am a big fan of Kyler, and, and I love Kyler Murray's upside with the rushing, and and obviously he's just an electric player to watch. But with Josh Allen, you really are getting the Bills' goal line back, and even to speak of the rookies that you just mentioned and the other running back signings, is none of those guys are thumpers in between the five, and they drafted Zach Moss, and that failed. And Josh Allen is their goal line back, and he might have a lower rushing volume overall, but I think that rushing touchdown floor is pretty safe with him you're guaranteed almost five rushing touchdowns a season when it comes to allen um, let's talk about on mvp trajectory uh yeah I, I think i think he he deserves the the qb1 overall in redraft and dynasty so you mentioned his running uh prowess let's talk about the people the running backs that are sharing in the backfield with him. Now, Devin Singletary last year in his third season, career high in rushes, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, receptions, and catches. So obviously had his best season ever, but that didn't stop the Bills from trying desperately to add someone who brings something that he does not pass catching prowess. They signed J.D. McKissick, but he uh, jettisoned them for the um, – for the Washington, whatever they're calling themselves these days, the commanders. Um, and did you guys ever see the, the video of Carson Wentz going, we're going to go and take command? It's, 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 it's hilarious. Nah, dude. You've never seen it. it. It's hilarious. I, I, I recommend it. Um, and then they kind of reached for a running back. James Cook, uh, not projected to go in the, some projected to go in the fourth round, ended up going in the end of the second. So they obviously wanted to replace Devin Singletary in that role. I think Devin Singletary is someone I'm not targeting, but if he's like my fourth or fifth running back, I'd be happy with that. And, you know, Zach Moss is an afterthought at this point. How are you feeling about these running back casts? I mean, I think, yeah, you nailed it. Devin Singletary did have all those career highs. However, he was still only a low-end RB2 at the end of the year. He was RB24, just the lowest end you can be. And, I mean... That's even with a crazy touchdown run at the end of the season. So, bro, the, the Buffalo Bills running backs, not named Josh Allen, I have I want nothing to do with them. And we've seen what Zach Moss can do, so much so that the Bills also saw what he can do and got on got someone else because he can't do much. And and then that just splits the backfield even more because he is a highly drafted running back. That just means that even though he had all those career highs, he's going to be sharing work once more and splitting work with his QB as well. So, um, like you said, maybe fourth, fifth running back, I'm cool. Not targeting him at all. So it's it's interesting because you you mentioned you don't want anything to do with them, but and you know not just cast anyone. Feel free to jump in. James Cook, I think, is an interesting guy. I think he has the ability to maybe take over this backfield. Now, he's not the prototypical size. He's 5'11", 190, right? So he's not going to be the everyday back. When I say take over the backfield, like, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara took over the backfield and touched the ball um, 
maybe less than 100 times out of the backfield. He was just catching the ball, but he was just so involved in the offense that he was the main running back. Kind of something like that. He has a chance to do that. But just, just, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about in terms of size, he's 5'11", 190. For comparison, his brother Dalvin Cook, 5'10", an inch shorter, 210, 20 pounds heavier. So that's that's more of the stocky build that can carry a load uh, like Dalvin Cook, but who's had his injury issues in the past. How do you guys feel about James Cook? Do you think that he's – right now you can get him for pretty cheap. How you how you feeling about him? You know, I'm so, I mean, just to clarify, because I'm a Saints fan, Kamara's 5'10", 220, and in his rookie season, he had 81 catches and 728 rushing yards. Yeah. So okay. two, like, 250K. He took over the backfield, and you're not going to see James. James Cook has never had more than 50% of the snaps ever as a football player, not in high school, not in college, ever. Damn, he brought high school stats, dog. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Michael, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I, I, most of the like analytic stat nerds and i don't mean that in a degrading way i love the analytic stat nerds because they provide like uh advice that i can't really figure out myself like Cass when he does all these crazy math things um they don't like james cook and that's enough for me to question if james cook is um is going to be a viable fantasy running back um and like and then you see things like what matt said where he's never had more than 50 percent of the touches in the backfield like he wasn't a good prospect generally he went a lot higher than anyone really expected maybe it had to do with uh, his brother being dalvin cook but then you get like um then you get the this ambiguous backfield here from the bills with singletary and james cook where maybe james cook does like he's better than people expected i mean we see udfa running backs um become stars austin eckler um, Elijah Mitchell was great last year. Arian Foster. The list goes on for UDFA, UDFA running backs who didn't even have a skill set that people thought were worth drafting. Um, and Dalvin Cook was at least good. At, excuse me, Dalvin Cook. James Cook was at least good enough where the Bills thought a second round draft pick is worth drafting him. So maybe he does that. Have that does have that potential. And then Devin Singletary. Um, Cass noted that he was not a very good running back last year, but down the stretch he was great. He was a great fantasy producer when he was the bell cow in that um in that backfield and if one of these the, guys the, can just i'm sorry michael just not to cut you off but when the bills got like cold in terms of wins and losses too they kind of changed their philosophy gave the ball to devin singletary a little more and that was just good for their offense overall and good for their win loss totals so it's something that yeah. that speaks to longevity yeah and um with devin singletary yes he's had a very black career but i mean if james cook is as bad as some people think he is everyone knows zach moss is trash at this point if he's able to take the backfield to himself, um, like these are these are guys you don't have to invest a lot in either. Um, it's like what I was saying earlier with Garrett Wilson, where you get spent like a tenth or eleventh round pick. Devin Singletary and James Cook, you're not spending, you're not drafting them until like round nine, round ten, anyways. Maybe round eight if you want to reach for them, which I don't recommend. But like that's where these guys are going in drafts. And at that point, um, if you're going with like a seesaw running back approach and you want to grab one of those guys, um, I wouldn't be against it at all like and if they suck again you just move on um but at their adps i don't hate them even though it's probably not an ideal situation for either of them and the cards are probably stacked against them there is a scenario where i see one of them really paying off and that's good enough for me to take a shot on either of them every now and then I, yeah, I think I I definitely agree with you. Um, look, James Cook is one of the is one of these rookies. Me, actually, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of upside when it comes to these Bills running backs, and you just got to pick your, your your poison. And 
And in terms of that, that we we mentioned we're presented by the Fantasy Football by Broto app. As you, if you see us on YouTube right now, you could see I'm pointing to the, to where it says that right now. So the Fantasy Football by Broto app. We take a break in here to tell you of the tip of the day of how to use that to become your own analyst and to be your own expert and to dominate fantasy football. And today's tip is the comps. Mr. Casanova right there himself, the fantasy genius, wizard, and the lead data analyst took all of his data that he uh, compiled and made an algorithm that compares these rookies, their size, their measurables, but not only that, their production profile and makes a projection on who uh, they are their fantasy production is going to be most like. So that's why you see sometimes Reggie Bush and Marshawn Lynch are, are, are in the same because it's more like this is the type of fantasy production they can have rather than this is the type of like bruiser or finesse guy. Um, and I think that's why this is such a great app. This is such a great tool for fantasy. So Cass, well, why don't you um, take them into the tip on how to use the comps and how you can use them? So go ahead. Yeah. What a lovely con uh, coincidence that we have James Cook right here on the Valerian Comps. <laughs> and you can see his comps are not very favorable as he is a, a smaller back. He is compared to the likes of Jamie Harper or uh, Michael Pirine. But when you go into the player comps, you can select any player you want. So if we go to Drake London, you can see his comps are a little bit nicer. He got Calvin Ooh. Johnson in there. I mean, 26%. Uh, we're not guaranteeing anything, but that's very nice to see. And you can find nice. comps for any uh, player. And show, that Brees, show those Brees Hall comps real quick because oh, we talked oh. about those on the last um, episode. And if you and if you don't know the Brees Hall comps, like okay. look at these things. Look at those. And uh, the, the data used for the comps is from the college season, like uh, all the college stats, and for players that are already in the league, only their first season to see you know how how they transition into the league. Anything else is just disregarded. So any comps you see that uh, actually turned out are not because we use more stats. It's just because they're pretty good. So this is how the comps work. Draft Breeze Hall. Different All episode, right. but uh, that's that's <laughs> the message here. All right, excellent. So that is how to use comps on the Broto Fantasy Football uh, the Fantasy Football by Broto app. It is on the doc right when you open the thing around the bottom it says comps go and check that out that is the tip of the day let's get into these wide receivers though now one of the more interesting units because uh you have one of the more polarizing players in the fantasy community here so oh, yes. the wide receivers michael uh stefan Diggs in the combo for top wide receiver in the game at this point um where are you like are you willing to draft him before like jamar chase and justin jefferson and cooper cup or is he just like just below those guys I see. Uh, I see Matt nodding his head. I know he's a proponent proponent of Stefan Diggs possibly being uh, the wide receiver one overall this year. Um, look, I'm not that high on Stefan Diggs or wide receiver one overall to take over Jefferson Chase um, or Cooper Cup. But if you want to take him fourth, that's perfectly fine with me. There's not much to say about Stefan Diggs. Um, if you play fantasy football, then guess what? you know who Stefan Diggs is and you know that he's a great pick wherever you're going to take him. He's a clear wide receiver one with elite upside last year was like, like I feel like players who drafted Stefan Diggs thought he had like a down year of sorts and his down year was 12th in points per game, 1225 uh, receiving yards, 103 receptions, 10 touchdowns. Obviously we know he had over 1500 yards in 2020 with 127 receptions was third in points per game. He's teamed up with Josh Allen. I know they lost Brian Dable, but Stefan Diggs is a beast. Josh Allen is a beast. That's that's the the key cogs of this offense is those two. Um, he's the easy pick, and yeah, um, he's a great selection. 
as your wide receiver one if that's a if that's what you're going for in your draft. Boom, boom. All right, so someone you're not talking as a wide receiver one, but one of the more polarizing players out here. The fight has been on literally since he had the game on fantasy Twitter. The fight has been on. If you don't know what the game is, 201 yards and four touchdowns against um, the Bills in the championship round. Against the Chiefs. Of, against the Chiefs. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Against the Chiefs. Coke, uh, in the, and, it, and it was the divisional round uh, of the playoffs last year. So yeah. since that day, Gabe Davis has been interesting because he takes over the Emmanuel Sanders role that Emmanuel Sanders had some success with last year. Um, he has the opportunity, but Matt has noted that his production profile and his Athletic profile do not usually mix, and his history of uh, target percentage do not usually mix with someone who's going to have a breakout in their fifth year. So with that being said, Michael, how are you third approaching third year? Third. That's what I mean. It's third year. Sorry, it's four or three? Yeah, yeah it's year, not three, year? year three. No, it's not it's year four. No, Tim, shut it's up. It's year three. That shut makes up. you feel better. Of, I'm not gonna lie, I, that makes you feel better 10. about point nine percent target share. Yeah, but that makes you feel better about Gabe Davis that it's only year three. I thought it was year four. All right, um, Michael, you knew it was year three. So tell us about Gabe Davis. Yeah, look, I was I was with a friend the other day, and he said, I haven't looked at anything fantasy football related in months. So some people who are listening now might not know about the, uh, the, def- the, the divisiveness that is Gabriel Davis so far this fantasy season. So I'm going to break it down for you really quick. Um, Gabriel Davis has people on every side um of the of the spectrum here um whether they're supporters or big time uh haters of gabriel davis look there's two sides to the coin and the people who are on the anti-davis side point out typically that he just hasn't made the strides he didn't make the stride that you want to see from year one to year two just 35 receptions both years um ended with 50 less yards and one less touchdown his sophomore season than he did his rookie season was 84th in points per game as a sophomore, but was 70th in true target value. So he underperformed. Um, he couldn't break out alongside Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and Dawson Knox um, as the secondary options of that team. All this was relatively disappointing. And then he scored four touchdowns and put up 200 yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. And that created the Gabriel Davis hysteria that we are currently in. On the Gabriel Davis pro side, it's just potential, potential, potential because the numbers may not look great. The size and all that may not look great, but you you do not accidentally put up 200 yards and four touchdowns in a conference championship game unless you're good at football. Um, Michael Salfino of The Athletic wrote an article about playoff breakouts um, because of Gabriel Davis, and he found that of the 11, it was an 11 player sample from 2000 to 2018 of a player who broke out in the playoffs, wasn't really doing anything in the regular season and then had a huge uh, playoff game or multiple playoff games um, as a, as a median wide receiver or tight end. So like Gabriel Davis type player, 50% of them saw a 50% rise in scoring the following year, um, which would put Gabriel Davis around wide receiver 25 wide receiver 30. If he made a jump like that. And again, like Tim said, Emmanuel Sanders is no longer there. So you're hoping he could take a bigger jump in that offense as a clear number two. Last year, when he saw over 80% of the snaps, he was a top 24 wide receiver fairly easily. Um, And he's in this just super dynamic passing offense with Josh Allen as a quarterback, Stefan Diggs as his uh, co-pilot out there in the wide receiver position. 
And then you get to his ADP of wide receiver 31 on fantasy pros. I think that was a little shocking to see wide receiver 31. I've been doing a lot of best ball drafts on underdog where he's wide receiver 20. The, uh, the underdog uh, best ball love has gotten a little crazy for Gabriel Davis, but it's really, do you believe in Gabriel Davis and the Buffalo Bills offense to make him something that he hasn't been his first two seasons, but showed that he possibly could be in the crazy good um, conference championship game against the Kansas city chiefs at wide receiver 31 as your wide receiver three in the middle rounds. I'm okay. Taking a shot on Gabriel Davis there. I think there is some upside in this offense, but at wide receiver 20 and a fourth round price tag in best ball leagues on underdog. Um, I would just, no, no. Are you kidding me? That's absurd. I think that's just clearly drafting a player at his ceiling. I don't think Gabriel Davis is suddenly going to become a wide receiver one alongside Stefan Diggs, like a Jamar Chase and T Higgins situation. I do think he could be a solid wide all right, receiver. All right, Michael, I'm coming. I'm cutting. I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting you off here on Gabe Davis. There's enough Gabe Davis uh, talk. You've. You, I think you've. Uh, you've given your 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 thoughts, and I think you were good. Let's talk about one other guy, Jamison Crowder. Um, takes over for Mr. Beasley. I think 100 catches is not out of the question. Uh, health is concerned, and then Khalil Shakur will take his place, but really no reason to talk about that. I think 100 catches is not anywhere near out of the question for Jameson Crowder this year. How are you feeling about that, Mike? I You say that. I just heard Matt say the real wide receiver, too. Bro, Jameson Crowder, like, whatever, man. I'm tired of seeing Jameson Crowder hype as if he's not Jameson Crowder, guys. Like, what's going to happen this season? Jamison Crowder is going to magically become, like, a star Jamison Crowder? No. Like, he's Jamison Crowder. He is who he is. He's 29 years old. He's been getting injured more and more often as he gets older. Like, he's ADP is wide receiver 67, so I understand there's not a lot of, like, you don't really have to spend a lot to get him. But there's people excited about Jamison Crowder. I could tell you right now I'll be very happy drafting Jamison Crowder zero times because he might have a good game here or there. But if like Cole Beasley completely fell off the planet for the most part last year in what should be Jamison Crowder's role. Um, are we sure Jamison Crowder is better than Cole Beasley? Like Cole Beasley yes. has had better. Cole Beasley yes. has had better seasons. Than Jamison Crowder has. Eh. Jamison yeah. Crowder has not been that good in his career. Like I understand Jamison Crowder has had decent seasons, but he's just overall a very average wide receiver. And yeah, this is coming from a Jets fan in, in Washington. Not wide receiver one. Yeah, closer, close enough. But I'm just, I think, I think you're undervaluing Jameson a little bit. I think he, I, I think, think you guys are overvaluing him. I think look, he, okay. look, PPR setting okay which makes him a value. Exactly, and and not for nothing. Like Cole Beasley has been a value in fantasy as much as you and Jason have tried to to fight against it. Cole, he's been a. He's been a good player in fantasy. I don't, I don't know. You, takes that role. Yeah, I don't know what you mean by fight. I mean, really, Jason. Jason never. No, J- Jason never wanted me to ever say Michael Beasley's name on the podcast until um, until this past season. He sucked, and now we got Dawson but, Knox, Gabriel Davis, and Stefan Diggs, and the running backs. I'm just not interested in in Jameson Crowder. The reason why Cole Beasley kind of disappeared last year is because of tight end Dawson Knox, one of Michael's. Favorite sleepers going into the year came to fruition, scored 10 times. But if the Bills had so much you know, faith in him, would they have gone out inside O.J. Howard? I think that's the question uh, that you have to ask yourself. So 
the OJ Howard signing could have been two things. Number one, because it wasn't that expensive. It could have just been whatever this guy maybe has some potential. Let's sign him. We need a backup. Or it could have been number two where it was like, all right, we have this scheme for a tight end. Josh Allen is using the tight end. Dawson Knox is limited in his talent. OJ Howard is not is is more talented. If we put him in that role, will he shine brighter than Dawson Knox? So there's there's two ways that the coaching staff could be looking at that. And that makes me nervous if I'm if I'm rostering You're either of these out. tight ends. Okay. Uh Michael thinks out. I'm bugging out. What do you think yes. about it? What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think I agree agree with Mike to to quote Moneyball. <laughs> If OJ Howard's such a talented player, why doesn't he play good? <laughs> like I, we've watched OJ Howard stink for five seasons, and he might have a really good athletic profile, but like great athletes don't make great football players all the time, and we see that especially with pass catchers and and more athletic tight ends, more athletic receivers. Um, it doesn't necessarily translate into good production, like. Keenan Allen doesn't have the best athletic profile. Cooper Cup doesn't have the best athletic profile. And these guys are phenomenal receivers because of their patience, their timing, and their ability to understand the nuances of the game, which is something that O.J. Howard has struggled to understand in five seasons in the NFL. And two of those seasons playing with arguably the greatest quarterback in the the history of the game. If you can't perform with Tom Brady, as much as I love Josh Allen, I I don't really think that there's going to be enough volume to go around for O.J. Howard to be a viable option as the number two tight end. Because Dawson Knox is the number one. He's Allen's favorite red zone target. He led the team in red zone targets in 2021. Um, And you talked about his high scoring rate. And we know touchdowns aren't overly predictive. Um, So we can expect some touchdown regression from Knox. And he only had a 10.3% target share last season, which is pretty low for tight ends. Um, But he's like a fine middle of the ground tight end one option, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure if he's necessarily going to live up to the ADP because he's going around guys like Pat Fryermouth, who I would like a little more. um, And guys like that, even like getting close to like Dallas Goddard range, who I like a little more and what I think would have a higher target ceiling. Um, So Knox is fine to play the tight end or the touchdown tight end upside game. Um, but he's not somebody that I think has a super high ceiling. And I, I think we probably saw the best of what he can offer last year. All right. Time to get into the fun part of this, the bold prediction time. Um, Michael, since uh, we haven't heard from you in a minute, what is your bold prediction? All right. My bold prediction. Um, Jameson Crowder is completely useless for fantasy football. <laughs> Okay, I've got my bold prediction. Just want to remind people that these are these are things that if if things go, it's not necessarily what we think is going to happen, but it's like the ceiling. Don't hold it against us. Uh, that that we're going to happen. Yeah, don't hold it against us. Don't don't take it. Don't uh, hold it against uh, Mike. Jameson Crowder is worth something. Once upon a time, I was on a bold hot take show, and uh, I said Mitch Trubisky for MVP, and I've have not heard the rest. <laughs> of <laughs> I, I have not heard the end of it for five it. years it was it you was a bold prediction show, man um anyway uh i think that jameson crowder is going to lead the team in receptions i'm about to like throw my mic down That's after insane. that bullshit bro after what? after stefan dicks after Stephon quit Dix. the show Oh, number two. Okay, okay, okay that Stephon makes Dix. a little bit more sense. Number, number two after Stefan Diggs. Big difference. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, you know, let's make it bold. Let's say even like bait shit. Uh, what's uh, what do you got, Cass? I think none of the Bills running backs end up even as an RB two. So RB three or worse, Ooh. all of them. 
Oh like, man. No cook, no singletary, no moss, no nothing, bro. Oh, baby. And Matt, finish us off with the heat. Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one, leads the league in targets with 170 plus. No shit. Oh, baby. <laughs> the hotness just came. Um, if you want to follow us uh, at Psych Ward, at Broto FF Casanova, at Broto FF Mike. Oh, you can see it on the on the YouTube. At Broto FF Tim. Uh, also at Broto FF Jason. Don't forget about our other special guest. Um, and also at Broto Fantasy and at FF by Broto. Wow. Uh, we have so many handles because we have so many things to give you. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy as well. We are going to see you next week. I mean, not next week. I'm sorry. I'm so used to saying that. We're going to see you tomorrow. That's hey, right. Tomorrow with the new England 32. Patriots. 32 teams. 32 days. <laughs>